Be kind. Rewind. This is Dope Nostalgia. A good, good slurp to get things started, Charlie Style. Charlie is being a dick. Welcome to <laughs> Learning to Listen. They're still cheering for it. Yeah, they don't know any better, Charlie. <laughs> they love it. That's what the fans want. This is when you, you know, when you go to, that's a, that's a problem with like fans, you know, is they don't know shit from good chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so welcome. Learning to listen, Charlie, Naomi. Uh, how's it going? Fantastic. Good. Good, good, good. Uh, we were just talking all about a classic uh, topic of uh, discussion for learning to listen. Um, you know, brought it back to the Bristol, the Bristol Kingdom. Bristol uh, Kingdom. Yeah. So if you want to know all about our fecal matters, about us keeping it diarrheal, <laughs> you got to go to <clears throat> patreon.com slash learning to listen. And uh, that's where you can find all the extra shit we do. The good all shit. The- the all real the shit good shit. we talk about. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Welcome back to Learning to Listen. Uh, we've been talking all about records, albums, artists that have been uh, big time influential uh, in our lives. And so far we've done, um, I-, I talked about Led Zeppelin 3. Charlie has talked about Tom Waits and Hux of the Diner. And now we're going to talk to Naomi about extreme three sides to every story mm-hmm. and what i was going to say about this was how come we all picked the third album <gasps> i was going to say that. Every I artist. that too is that a coincidence oh, that's yeah. an absolute coincidence yeah right i didn't think about that i just i picked mine first yeah didn't and know I, what you guys were going to do at least yours both of yours have three in the title but tom waits that just happened to be his third album so wow you know what's interesting about that too is I think like okay your first album is where you you make it or you don't make it whatever your yeah. label puts you out sophomore album sometimes is the one that's hard because you're not sure this could be the end of your career if it doesn't break the third by the third album if you've made it that far you probably get that chance to be creatively free you can do more of what you want yeah, yeah. And isn't that in- interesting I thought about that too where I'm like these are the three albums that appeal to us mm-hmm. were the ones that have uh, of like where that artist felt like or the people behind that artist whoever it was were like yeah fucking go nuts you got it you know what you're doing here's the keys to the game <laughs> yeah here's yeah know? exactly the major yeah. labels like all right you made us some money so have fun yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah like they're the more experimental noticing like a, a pattern yeah. that when i look at the bigger catalogs of these artists these tend to be the ones that are the more experimental standout one maybe not as commercially you know successful as the other ones and here we are going like that's the best one in their whole catalog or whatever that's the one that turned my head that's the one that's important to me yeah yeah so i just yeah i wanted to mention that because i was like that's really interesting that's a cool observation i yeah i didn't notice that at all yeah and i think it's like you know when you 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 like there's a tv show you like and you tell your friends about it and they're like i don't know if i'm into it and you're like okay you gotta wait till the second season or like yeah. season, or like episode or up, three is yeah, where it starts yeah, yeah. to pick up or like, yeah, first two seasons are kind of a slog, but season three is where they really figure it out, you know? They really find their footing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, maybe it's a coincidence, but maybe there's something there where it's like, yeah, when once they kind of find their voice a little bit or have some more confidence or have more, 
whatever carte blanche to to do what they want or they're yeah mm-hmm. i don't know anyway mm-hmm. yeah 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 so let's get into it uh extreme three sides to every story yeah um now if i had to make any notes about the album itself right off the bat as i have to say oh my god what a long album <laughs> <laughs> i thought about that too later when you were like oh my goodness this is a fucking event and i'm like i'm sorry i'm sorry if you listen to the whole thing you didn't have to but i you know what no you i listened you skip through it. i really gave i gave it a good two like three three really three really thorough listens all the way through Look, that's I'll something say, i listened whole, to it yeah. once the whole way through and uh one song i've listened to like a handful of times now and will continue to listen to a handful of times oh what song yeah, right off the bat, Warhead. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It starts off so strong and I was like, holy shit, this is great. That is the ultimate like blow open the fucking door for, uh, yeah. first song on an album. Yeah, yeah. That was a dope intro. I love it. Recruit. Anyway, but initial impressions are, I'm like, I think I said this to you guys, but I was like, I was like, okay. Like it, to me, it made a lot of sense why Gary Sharon uh, got picked up to be the lead singer briefly of Van Halen <laughs> when Sammy Hagar left. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. I was like, okay, so my exposure to Extreme was basically maybe the couple of singles I ever really heard. Like obviously more than words can say was all over the radio more than words all day long, basically. Yeah. Like a little bit before this, I was still pretty young, but I heard it a bunch. So to me, that's who Extreme was. And that one's not very, that, that single is not indicative of like what you get on this album. No. no. Oh. They, they briefly <laughs> allude to it at the end of rest in peace where they do the little acoustic thing where they do the, with the little slap on the guitar, right. just, to allude to it just that tiny tribute to it but that's it yeah but getting into this album i was like oh man the sammy hagar van halen uh um like influence 
on uh, especially on Gary Sharon's vocals, not just the playing, but his vocals particularly. I'm like, oh, they are like present. <laughs> the vibes are there for sure. Yeah, it's almost like, oh, okay, they went and found like a Sammy Hagar, <laughs> you know, like uh, impressionist. Not like specifically. Like I think he's got yeah. his own merits, but I'm just saying it's kind of like that story of like when. Um, uh, who was it? Uh, Judas Priest or whatever. Briefly, when Rob Halford left for a while, and they went and found a guy who was doing like a Rob Halford impersonation and nailing it to like right. be in Judas Priest for a little while. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? Yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Why you should start a tribute band so that your favorite band finds you one day when they need to replace their singer. Mm. Get that guy. He sounds just like that other guy that we lost. <laughs> I think it's happened before, hasn't it? Like other than that uh... one time. Or am I just thinking of the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg? I mean, that's a tr true story, though, right? Mm -hmm. mm. But um, but yeah, oh, I mean, initial impressions are for sure. Like, um, I did not realize what is the name of the lead guitar player again? Um, Nuno Betancourt. Nuno Betancourt. Yeah, holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know. I knew he was good. Yeah, he's I didn't good. Know he was that good. He's good. Like. There's times where like they're breaking it down, and I, you know what, really actually drove me nuts. If I have a big criticism about the songwriting on this album, mm -hmm. is that there would be something that he would do that would just be so like metal, and it would be so cool, and they would do it for eight bars and then drop it and go back to like it. Just every song would, especially in the first half of the album or first third of the album, you know, you do you would just hear something that was just so fucking metal and tech and like thrash and. You know, like a throwback to something like maybe some new wave uh, British metal or like some, you know, like something like uh, like almost like a like a diamond head like kind of riff or something and be like, cool. And then it would go away. <laughs> He's obviously very influenced by Eddie and influenced by Brian May and those who, those types of guitar players. But he's self-taught and yeah, he doesn't know how to read music or anything. So, well, but I think virtuoso. Yeah, but I also think just from like listening to it, there are tons and tons of little references to like uh, guitar players. Like there's <laughs> references to tons. Like every the first five tracks, there's there's some reference to Hendrix. Yeah, like and then they, at one point they even just straight up just lift the lick, right? Yeah, well, they do uh, the beginning of Voodoo Child, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, see, but, that's something I didn't really notice. Yeah, I'm yeah. Glad you, I'm copies, glad you noticed that. Yeah, and then when you hear the different guitar tones he uses, like well, there's one that's very, it's like, it's a, it's a slight modern variation on like, but it's a very fuzzed out Hendrix wah pedal sound, right? A very Voodoo Child sound. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's cool, but it's very, it's very much like a lot of references, a lot of like, like a lot of riffs are very much referenced, uh, you know, like other guitar like players and styles and stuff like that, like are very, I mean, a lot of originality too, but every song seems to have just a moment where it's like, here's four bars where you play a riff that's like almost in tribute or, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it, it's, it's almost... It's almost like there's a departure from the from the main theme of the song and like it goes on an adventure and comes back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it'll explore slightly different styles throughout a song, but it's almost always there's a reference to some kind of like, like the ones that were the most obvious to me are, are the Hendrix ones. And I'm sure there's other ones I kind of recognized where I was like, oh yeah, this is like probably a Van Halen or maybe even like a Yingwing Malsteam because there's a few times where I'm like, that's, that's like, 
you know some early kind of tech prog rock you know like and all, okay so yeah i get i got a lot of those references for sure but in the second half of the album i found myself thinking uh picking up a lot of either um the beatles or yeah. like or elo sort of vibe yeah well, in the vocals, vibe. in the vocals, in the lyrics, too. Well, and even in the way that they were, like, going back and forth between, like, whatever, four-piece band to giant orchestra for a couple of minutes and then just down to a piano. And I was like, well, that's very Beatles slash ELO slash Queen kind of kind of vibes there, too, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. But even in the lyrics, when you listen to the lyrics, there are lines that are straight up, like you know, uh, referencing the Beatles. Like there's the line about giving peace a chance. Yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> I caught that. And then there's also a day in the life reference. There's mm -hmm. like uh, a line about like the heard the news today or something, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, so I don't know who did the um, majority of the uh, lyric writing. I'm guessing that would be Gary Sharon or. I think Sharon has a big part of that. I think Betancourt does too, but uh, I feel like Betancourt's probably more about writing the music part of things. Yeah, so so, I mean, there's definitely some production, um, you know, references and nods to yeah, exactly like uh, Jeff, um, you know, like ELO and uh, and the Beatles and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I, I would say where I really noticed the the Beatles references isn't straight on oh, yeah. the lyrics. There's truth. That's true. I got I got a bunch of those too for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I guess the idea of this record was that it was obviously meant to be a concept album. Yeah, right. it's, in, it's split into three parts, uh, yours, mine and the truth. So the it starts off with like musically heavy in the first part, but also the subject matter is more political, um, more dealing with what's been going on in the world. There's a song about that even has Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech in it. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, is that yeah. is that the one that also has the little the rap in it? Uh, Cupid's Dead. Is that, that the rap in it? I thought I the Cupid's dead. Yeah, oh, maybe Cupid's that's Cupid's dead. Has dead. A rap in it. Peacemaker Die, I think, is the one with Martin Luther King's rap in it. Uh, or Martin okay. Luther King's speech in it. Yeah. His rap in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. His speech. So um, actually Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran made a comment one time uh, on a video that Cupid's Dead was one of the first songs he ever learned on guitar. <laughs> really? That's yeah. ambitious. Very, yeah. It's but he wanted him. to. He wanted to play that so badly. He didn't say he learned it well. He just said he learned it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but then he's young too, so I'm I'm surprised that that, that made it into hmm. his. And so was Nuno. It was quite honoring for him the fact that the kid listened to him. But yeah, well, okay. I don't think we've said, but this album came out in September of 1992. Yeah. And. Um, I, like it, so i mean i was still fairly young but i this is around the time i was getting into a lot of music a lot of music just kind of like this too and i'm surprised that it flew under the radar for me i missed this entirely i had and i'd never heard it and never listened to it until now i don't even know if there was really any big singles off of it or anything um there there was uh i think three singles off the album that it wasn't a hugely commercial release um coming but they but they had the ability on the third album basically to create a masterpiece that's what they wanted to do sure um coming off of like porno graffiti it's a very different album than porno graffiti i think that one was more a little more tongue-in-cheek sexual and all of that mm. this one's this one's just like like i said okay so the first side's kind of like heavier more political more about the state of the world the second side mine it's got some of those romantic tracks on it there's a song about father daddy 
love me. <laughs> There's okay. a song okay. about a clumsy guy who can't do anything right because he's in love with this girl, so he's an idiot. Okay, mm -hmm. so 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 the the one track off of the, off of uh, the second side, mine, that I just kept rereading the the title in my head was "God Isn't Dead." Is it God? Is, with a question mark. God is question God mark. isn't dead, or God isn't dead? Like. Yeah, well, when you look at the lyrics, it, it makes sense that he's kind of being like, are you sure God's not dead? Because nobody seems to be into God right now. <laughs> it's kind of the... Uh... I thought it would, I think like that would be more uh, suitable on the third side because the third side's when things got religious. The third side, the truth is actually very much based, I think, upon their interpretation of the book of Revelations. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, well, apparently that it, even the track "Our Father," a lot of people assumed was a religious track, and then comparing God to yeah. be like, because I'm mean, it, it, on the surface, it seems like it's more about like a, you know, an absent father, but the fact that it's even called "Our Father" and refers mm -hmm. to it, it more as like, yeah, where father asking <laughs> like, where God is, yeah, I where get God it. is. Well, I mean, and when then, you, you, stop you, the world. Yeah. Oh my goodness, what if a good song. Stop you, If you look at starting track seven, seven Sundays, and then Our Father, and then God Isn't Dead, it's definitely already got some religious overtone there for sure, right? Even just in the titles alone. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I didn't personally read anything that the band was like, ever made any statement about it one way or the other. But the lyrics, mm -hmm. just if to, took them literally, aren't particularly religious. They're, sure. they're just like, yeah, it sucks no, that Our Father isn't here. Yeah, no, they're not particularly, they're not blatantly religious, but it's mm -hmm. it's asking questions. Sure. Definitely asking questions. And the band, like, they, they've said they're somewhat of a religious group of guys, you know? Right. Um, well, first listen through before I paid attention to the lyrics, I definitely got that impression, you know, when I just had it on and wasn't, like, really engaged in going, like, okay, what are they saying? When I just would hear little phrases here and there. Mm -hmm. yeah to me i was getting them like oh okay these guys are scolding everybody because they don't believe in god anymore you know like they're being a little bit proselytizing it wasn't until second or third listen where i was really paying attention and even reading a few of the lyrics that i was like oh it's not actually that on the nose it's mm. they're they're it's not every song i would say like the lyrics to every song aren't all that deep like cupid's dead is not a very deep song <laughs> uh even and seven sundays i have to say that's where this album loses me is seven sundays yeah it really takes all the energy of that first yours uh side the first like five or six tracks yeah and then just comes to a screeching halt and you're it's like, a dramatic difference uh, it that, definitely indicates hey things are changing now but now, yeah it's, on not, a, it's not a song i particularly love that much
now they plan this okay. when they plan this this is still early enough in the like life of cds where they were still making lps and these guys were thinking lp like sure. 33 and a third yeah. record release they put it out like as a two disc thing so they they thought about it in a way that people are going to be like putting picking this up off the platter turning it over this side will be different or that track will be different and to the f- point where they actually had to uh when it got released on cd it they had to take a track off and i think that was the track don't leave me alone that's right they had to somehow format it into like 75 minutes or something like that because it would they wanted to keep it all on one disc mm-hmm. yeah and at the time it wouldn't have fit um on one disc with all the tracks and the funny thing about that is the version of it that's prevailed because as it got it obviously sold more on cd than it did on lp at the time lps were on their way out they, they were actually kind of also they were actually at this point they were pretty much gone like they were out <laughs> and these guys were just kind of like you know a little bit behind on the trend and going like oh i guess cds are the way to go now uh and then on top of that, every time it had been like re-released since then, it's always been re-released missing that track. Yeah, I just I just realized because the way I had listened to it was on Spotify and I just checked the Spotify track list and uh, Don't Leave Me Alone is not on there. So No, Don't Leave Me Alone only ever made it out on a Japanese-only oh. uh, LP, or I mean um, EP. Oh, I missed that one. How was it? Was that a good song? Oh yeah, like I really like the verse. Oh yeah, the verse. The verse is really like quiet. It goes kind of orchestrate, orchestrated into the in the chorus and gets louder. But the verse. Oh, it's very Brian May on that guitar solo and "Don't Leave Me Alone." Hey. Um, I only listened to it once because uh, I, to find it, I had to look it up on YouTube. Yeah, mm. I couldn't just listen to it on Spotify or whatever. So that's what I mean. Is it's interesting, even as it goes to Spotify, where there's no. Um, you know, limitations, yeah, no time barriers or anything. Yeah. Or anything like that. And they still, it, for whatever reason, it still gets left off. Now's not the time to say goodbye. And I'm not the kind to question. So it's interesting because I've I've listened to it where I've actually stopped, gone to YouTube, put that track in, and I find that it's a little less jarring t- to go from uh, track 12, which is that one, Don't Leave Me Alone, into the next, uh, the truth section, the third section, which is 
where they go into like the three part what you were talking about where they're kind of basing it on the book of revelations or whatever mm-hmm. because it it's a little bit more transitional like it brings okay. in a little bit more of those the strings and whatnot yeah and then all, all the- of a sudden you go into that part and you're like oh there's yeah it's orchestrated and that's where they did the majority of, well the orchestra was recorded at abbey road well, that makes sense. Another nod oh. to the Beatles. <laughs> okay. And I saw the credits too for like the people who were in the uh, in the orchestra playing strings or whatever. But the production makes it really sound like it's synth. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. It does. When I was listening to it today, I really thought that I was like, I, you know, if this had been played on a keyboard, I I I'd believe you. It does not sound like an orchestra, like a full orchestra to me. Even in Who Cares? The beginning. Um, of the I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd have to listen back and really point out. But there was a couple of parts where I'm like, Are "You sure this is an orchestra? <laughs> Are you sure this is just a string setting on a on a keyboard?" Like this was 1982. They had some pretty good synth like effects I'm, by then. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, but I mean, there's a there is a there is an orchestra credited, or uh, at least a string section credited. Like they've got a big list of credits here. It's crazy. A number of people that worked on here there's cello violin there's extra vocals there's percussion you know like a lot of people ended up working on this record so obviously they had a budget like the i'm guessing that on the strength of porno graffiti and probably just on the single uh um uh more than words or whatever mm-hmm. uh that yeah they really really got like a lot of like a pretty big budget to go ahead and make this thing like holy shit no kidding i just i actually i just noticed here in the uh the wikipedia that i have open that it says it's a 70 piece orchestra yeah that's a lot of people that's a lot of paychecks yeah 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 that's (laughs) what i mean like what are you paying all those people are you paying them day rates like that's a lot of people right that is a lot of people. Yeah. So that's what I'm really surprised is like I think the budget for this obviously went into um into the production, but maybe not as much into the uh promotion after that. They were like, Well, we yeah. spent all the money making the record, so uh <laughs> good luck. I think I think it's quite unfortunate how it didn't do as well as it should have, but I think that it wasn't maybe a very I I couldn't even say it wasn't a single friendly album because I think it was a single friendly album. They managed to put out the first one was Rest in Peace. The first single that jumped out. And then uh, the second one would have been Stop the World. The Stop the World is an amazing song, but I don't think it would have been second single material. I think they should have gone with something like Tragic Comic as the second single. It's got that more mainstream appeal because it's just a catchy little acoustic-y type number. It is, but I've got to say, for me personally, my personal taste, like if I had to pick singles, they would be in the first. Warheads all day long. Yeah, Warheads is great. Boom, that's it. That's that would have that would have got me if I would have never heard the album like I never did uh, until now and then I just heard that that single th- mm-hmm. I would have been finding that album I'm like okay this is great let's see let's go yeah, oh, yeah. And that song feels good I love I, that song I think maybe it's one of those things where it's the curse of like don't let your big hit be a ballad mm. right because then the the A and R people are going to be going like well how do we sell this band you know we got to find the ballads on the album to make the, should be the second the second single well after yeah. more than words that was one of the hardest things they had to figure That's out cool. was how to market themselves because even still today the majority of people know them for more than words and then maybe wholehearted which is also pretty easy listening too <laughs> yeah compared well, to it so okay that brings me are. that brings me to to like you know asking you so like how did you discover um 
this album, but you know, like in general, like extreme and, and then, you know, eventually getting into uh, three sides. Like, how did you find this record? Um, at the time I would have been 12 years old. I think when it was a matter of finding the band first, mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it was about 12 years old when more than words came out and I thought, Oh, that's a pretty little song. Well, yeah, I know it's good wholehearted I liked and but I never really thought much of it because that's all I'd heard and then Brian Adams was having a concert in uh what is now known as Big Valley the Big Valley Jamboree area okay okay um, it was the... the first first show that was ever had there so this was in uh it was scheduled for August of 1992 so is this in Camrose yeah yeah it's the same okay. site yeah at their like agricultural whatever Center. yeah 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 same same site so brian adams had scheduled a show and it was going to be a festival and he had gotten uh sass jordan archangels steve miller band and extreme to be the opening bands um so i'm like i think i was 13 by then almost 13 maybe 13 yeah and so friends and i went down for the show first day snowed (laughs) it was snowed out uh, end of august and of course and they canceled the show around noon when the gates were supposed to open. Um, so the diehards ended up all going back the next weekend, which was the Labor Day long weekend. So I went back, my friends and I, we got to the front of the gate. We stormed the gate when it opened and we just took off running to the front. We got, we got right up on the, on the rails. It was awesome. Cool. And then, uh, yeah. So I was like, this is gonna be great. Go see some, I love Sass Jordan already. So that was exciting to see her but when extreme came out i was just expecting to hear more than words and whatever but i was absolutely captivated by the energy of that band just blew my mind i'm like if i'm ever in a rock band that's what i want it to be like the front man was insane like he's running around the stage like with this crazy goofy energy that was like more intense to me than david lee roth is actually and the fact is he could actually really sing and then there's Nuno playing guitar and like just like all the harmonies. I am such a sucker for harmonies. I was just blown away by the whole experience. They were getting ready. They were promoting, hey, the third album's coming out. I can't remember if they played a track from it or not. But after I left that show, I was absolutely into the band. So it kind of went from there and then became hardcore fan and like, Bought all the guitar world magazines because I mean it can't hurt. Nuno's a pretty guy. <laughs> He's a good looking guy, right? So but like I, I don't know, it made me pick up the guitar a little more too, just to like, I don't know, it was inspiring. And I wanted to be a rocker at that time. Uh, he's still pretty young. Like he's only 54 now. So at the time we're yeah. talking what almost 30 years ago. It would I think it was that year or the year after when the Freddie Mercury tribute happened. And they okay. played they played Wembley Stadium and they pretty much they did a Queen medley that was so captivating. It like stole the show. It was. Well, it I did see I saw a quote uh, that Brian May said that extreme. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, it might have been that concert, the 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 uh, the tribute. Mm-hmm. And he said out of all the bands that played the tribute show, he felt that extreme was the ones who understood the energy and and what like i'm paraphrasing obviously but what queen you know stood for better than any other band that was out there yeah. that day, that sort of thing that's true and i think if you watch it i think everybody who was participating in it did it because they loved freddie but a lot of it was self-promotion for the most part mm-hmm. 
But like, at the same time, too, I wouldn't say that it was in sound. Like, they weren't copying Queen's sound or aesthetic. I mean, yeah. No, Brian, they still sounded even, like themselves. Yeah, yeah. I think it... So I can see what you're saying is, like, maybe he meant it was more in the showmanship. Yeah. And I could see that, yeah. Like, a great live show that really turns turns your head. Like, I've, I've definitely uh, become a fan of an artist by... Having no idea who they are or not much about them or yeah, maybe maybe the strength of like a single or something like that. This band then, has everything I want. Yeah. Like it has big harmonies, big hooks, big guitar solos. Big hair. Big eh, yeah, some hair too. <laughs> big muscles. <laughs> yeah. And, and and really I think great songwriting. I think they're a technically tight band. Yeah, oh, definitely a very musical band, yeah, for sure. Um like there's a lot of technicality all over this record. It would be uh, very hard for a band to do a cover of some of something like uh, like Warheads, you know. <laughs> well, that would be pretty difficult. That's it's interesting, right? Is in, in uh, they get labeled sometimes as like funk metal or whatever, and you're like oh, maybe that's, one song that's, a little bit. I would say that's more to porno graffiti. Porno yeah, graffiti totally. is more of a funk metal album. Yeah, but even even then, I don't know. It's like uh, it's more of a hard rock album that's got a couple of funk elements. But uh, mm-hmm. but in the meantime, it's it, it, it's this is really a kind of a it's almost a prog rock record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like yeah, I hear that. Yeah, it's just that it's a, got a few too many pop elements to be a prog rock record, which is why I like it. But it's funny, it's not like prog rock isn't commercial. I mean, some of the biggest prog rock bands of all time have, have had huge commercial success. Whenever you say prog rock, I always think of Rush first. Of course. Well, yeah. Well, because, yeah. you know, Canadians. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, Pink Floyd has one of the biggest selling albums of all time that manages to stay in the top 200 of album sales consistently since it dropped in like, what, the mid early mid-70s? You know, like... Yeah. Uh, yeah uh who else is like you know not and no but they have, and they have more than one um yeah like pink floyd's dark side of the moon the wall those are huge selling records and they still are um who are else who were big uh prog rockers probably jethro tall the yellow prog rock yeah i would say well yes actually it's funny that you should say that elo is a little bit more on the commercial side of things too they're kind of a pop yeah prog rock band totally. right yeah they uh, have more like keyboards involved in ELO, or this is more guitars. Yeah, had plenty of guitars, but they definitely had some keyboards too. Yeah, there's not much keyboard in Extreme. Uh, no, not and, too. And much. if there is, it's you know playing it anyway. So mm. especially like live, they don't tend to. Yeah, there's a few songs where you'll see Nuno come out and play the piano, but very often it's uh, all strictly guitar. And I mean, I like this band inspired me so much. And still to this day, they're my number two. (laughs) (laughs) I I went to I went to see them five years ago. Yeah. Five years ago in Chicago, they were doing a porno graffiti, the 25th anniversary and playing the album in its entirety at different venues. So I went to go see them at the um, House of Blues in Chicago. Nice. Once again, right up at the front. (laughs) (laughs) Bulldoze my way up there. (laughs) Totally so, worth you, it. You said you went to go see them and you were around 12 or 13. Yeah. Who did you go with? Like, oh, my best friends from like school and stuff. Uh, yeah. Stacy and, and your mom and, her, and their parents. And well, one of the parents were. Oh, yeah. Chaperone. Well, there was a chaperone. 
there was a chaperone so oh. one of the one of the parents came and my mom they're like yeah. she she was just like i'm sure it's fine <laughs> well that's cool let's so just say the reins experience. the reins weren't very tight cool in, in my right you get to have that experience upbringing. a little earlier than i think a lot of people would because i think by the time i my parents were like my parents definitely were not the strictest with that stuff they definitely mm -hmm. let me have a long a long lead you know but uh but it was more when i was like 15 16 that i was starting to go out to concerts yeah. with my friends mm -hmm. you know we'll talk about that we'll talk about one of mine and then one of the next episodes that we're gonna do of, of talking about first concerts mm -hmm. or early big concerts or whatever so nice mm -hmm. yeah they um, definitely they weren't my first concert i'd say that's probably like closer to like fifth or so but uh yeah i mean ultimately right around was, that time right like the timing yeah. was perfect it was very influential on me. Uh, yeah, like how definitely. how into how like into getting involved in music were you at the time? I was already writing songs. I was already okay. actually yeah. I already I'd already recorded a single and had it. Uh, it kind of sat around and didn't do anything, but I was doing like dance pop music, and then uh, I I submitted that song to Power ninety two in ninety three when they were having a contest, oh, nice. and okay. and I got my song on the album. And Chris Shepard was mixing the album and all of that, so. Cool. That's, so an that's already... another story. I was already recording and writing. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, but that's but that, I think that adds to this too to know that it was like okay, so you're already kind of getting involved in in at least in the idea of being involved in the industry and and performing yes. live or whatever, right? Like you had your started dipping your toe in the water, and yeah. you're saying that you went from being influenced by you're like like how much were you really was the music you were making and writing at the time was like that music that was coming from, you know, what you really wanted to do or was it coming from what you thought you should do? That's a very good question. Uh, it was what I thought I should do. I was still trying to find my footing and who I was as an artist. Cause I'm 12 fucking years old. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I've been, yeah, exactly. That's to, what I mean, I've right? been listening to new kids on the block and stuff. Right. And poppy dance music and all of that. And I thought, that's what I listen to. That's what I like. That's what I'll record. But it wasn't until I started finding rock music and bands like this one where I was like, I think I'm a rocker. <laughs> and then when I actually found my voice was way after this, it was in high school in uh, after high school, even because I was at Grant Mac and I got into the, in the performance program and they're trying to get me to use my, my chest voice i kept singing in my head voice all the time and it was just like really quiet and soft and so my teacher forced it out of me one afternoon where she made me she goes to the very very back of the room and she's like louder i want to hear you from here do it from here and then all of a sudden i was like ah! and then she's like there it is and that's when i knew i was a rock <laughs> singer <laughs> oh, well, and that changed yeah. everything yeah, it did it did it did it did <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's nothing about this record that's like small, <laughs> you know, and like mm -hmm. intimate. It it sounds like it's written to be performed on a stage, mm -hmm. you know, huge. Like, like Gary Trone is like belting it out. Like, yeah. um, how do I just you know it? It's yeah, not... no, it's 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 a larger than life type of uh, type mm -hmm. of sound and. Yeah, they were definitely instrumental on, on me finding out that rock music was my favorite. <laughs> right. But I was also raised to think, like, by some members of my family that rock music was evil. Mm. So right. it, was always, it was always quite a struggle to fully embrace what I really loved because I was always afraid I was going to go to hell for it.
And here's a rock band that are singing songs about God and stuff too, right? Like, I'm like, oh, that can't be that bad. It can't be so bad, right? Yeah. And then, then I'm always wondering, is this sacrilegious what they're saying when they're like, is God isn't dead? Well, of course he's not dead. You know, like I was like, is this sacrilegious or are they just asking mm-hmm. a question? But then when I got to know the band and watch the interviews and understand what they were trying to say, everything's always going to be up for interpretation when it's music. You're always going to get your own idea of what it means to you. But to them, they were just like, they're all pretty much God-fearing Christian dudes that were like, whatever you think it means. Sure. But. Um, well, I guess you kind of answered, you know, one of my questions that's about like, did they turn you on to other styles of music? Because obviously, they yeah. did, right? Yeah. And what you would normally listen to. So if, yeah, you're listening to. Oh, they got me into Queen. I, I listened to Extreme before I listened to Queen. Yeah, right. That's my, it was my next question. I was going to be like, so what about like, did they open your musical horizon as far as bands go? If you were like, mm. oh, now I'm into these guys. Like who else is out there? They did a cover of, well, first it was the, the Freddie Mercury tribute opened up like, oh, all these Queen songs. I'm like, they're pretty cool. When Extreme covers them, they sound so much more awesome to me, but it's because I like them, right? And <laughs> that's then, a uh, bias. I get that. That's yeah. a bias. Um, that Hammer to Fall, I heard them cover. They covered Love of My Life. With the harmony and the acoustic guitar, it was like beautiful. I'm like, fuck yeah. So then I buy classic Queen, the two Queen at Greatest Hits album that were out mm. in the early 90s. Sure. Right mm-hmm. around the time of Bohemian Rhapsody and Wayne's World and all of that. So Queen were just like hitting it hot at that time. And yeah, they these guys got me into it because because of their love for Queen. Yeah, Queen was having quite a renaissance at the time. Like obviously Freddie Mercury had already passed away. Mm-hmm. And but Towards even though they had had some big momentous like moments in their career and they were still very well revered, I feel like because Freddie Mercury being gone or whatever, uh, Queen fandom had kind of cooled off a bit. And at this point, that like Wayne's World comes out and they're headbanging to Bohemian Rhapsody, which had been around the same time. Like when did Wayne's World come out? Like ninety one, ninety one, ninety two. Yep. Yeah. I feel so, like a lot of things happened 92, in 90, yeah. 92, man. I feel like a lot of good things happened in 92. <laughs> yeah, like, well, that was just the time of my life. I was just really fucking enjoying everything. Well, it sounds like at that point you were just open, right? You're open yeah. to new experience. You know, you're like, let's go to this concert and see these bands. I'm allowed to go, so I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So wait, hold on. I, you might have said this, but uh, did who else performed that day? Archangels, they were a Canadian rock band. Uh, Sass Jordan, who was okay. like a huge influence on me. Uh, that whole concert was a huge influence on me. Uh, Steve Miller Band, which were kind of like the old fogies of the night. I remember being <laughs> yeah. like, my girlfriend who was with me, Stacy, she was like leaning on the rail like this, like she was going to have a nap. And, and the guitar player for the band is like, <laughs> What are you doing? Get, up, get your friend up, wake up. <laughs> she's just like i'm just getting she's like i'm just getting my energy and we're like we're fucking 13 we don't need to have energy wake up yeah and of course brian adams brian adams was the headliner so they managed to postpone the entire lineup until the following weekend yes that's amazing it was a cross canada tour festival tour so did they go and they went they went to osoyu's yeah, and then bounce back. Which was supposed to be the last date, and then they came back, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's still amazing that, I mean, if everybody, I'm maybe there was a few acts here or there that fell off, depending on how big the bill was, but, like, that the majority of headlining acts were all still like, yeah, we can do it next weekend. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, that's fine. I know, right? 
These guys are all like in the middle of big things happening in their career and they made it happen. Yeah. How does that even happen? Yeah. Brian Adams at the time was fucking red hot too. That was a right? huge year for Brian Adams. That was everything I do. I do it for you. That was I know that, that I have to put that in context because when you list off the names of these bands, like I'm thinking like 25, 30 years on, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like the lineup of like the Beaumont blues fest on Saturday afternoon or whatever. <laughs> right. Like these are all kind these of, these guys are all in the peak. Steve Miller was the um, anomaly there because yeah, yeah. he's, a hugely successful artist. A lot of the older folks at the crowd really loved him, you know, and he did, he did, he did put on a good job, but I was, I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have at the time. Cause I was a young brat. Well, know? no, of course not. And I, I mean, I understand that, but I'm just thinking it's okay. Now every single person on that bill is basically Steve Miller. Then, you mm -hmm. know, like, I don't mean, yeah, but I'm just saying to this generation, it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> extreme is old fogey music. It's like, <laughs> well, like, I mean, extreme put out a, put out their fourth album and it was around the time the grunge era was happening. So it didn't do much. A lot of bands I've talked to on dope nostalgia who were rock bands at the time, they've been telling me about how it felt to be a hard rock band when grunge came out and how it killed their careers, mm. at least momentarily until the resurgence of like revival and nostalgia came back. Right. Yeah, but, well, uh, I, I would definitely say that there is a little bit, and it's definitely on the production side of this album that still has a little bit of a uh, holdover from from the '80s. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and that maybe hurt them a little bit too at the time because mm -hmm. being known as the ballad band or whatever, even if people did look past that and then you know get into this record or whatever, it's like, man, this is like grunge is hitting. And yeah. just not the sound people are looking for. Yeah. Right. No, and I don't mean not just fans, but I mean like radio DJs and, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, record was, companies, you know, they're, they're moving on. There's a new hot sound in town. Like, yeah, this, this stuff. I was, found rock and roll right when grunge was hitting and I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't want grunge yet. Like, no, I had no. found what people had already been listening to since 1985 in right. like 1991. And then I'm like, I love this. And then all of a sudden they're trying to take it away from me. I fucking hated Kurt Cobain. <laughs> <laughs> well, like if you had told me this record came out in 1987, mm -hmm. I believe you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, it, it uh, I don't know if it's synthy and glammy enough, but that old. Yeah, but it's not still, enough synth. That's maybe that's, not, but at the it's same more time, like it, slippery when wet, a little, it's a little more synthy. Yeah. But that's what I mean is like, it, 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 I, I, like it. It definitely doesn't sound like it's ahead of its time. You know what I mean? Are you sure? <laughs> like, well, I don't know what era it would have belonged in. Honestly, I don't think. I think this album doesn't really have an era that it belongs in. Yeah, I, I would. I, it's definitely got a little bit. Like, there's some stuff that stands out as like being like okay, especially I would say like the guitar playing. There's a lot of like classic, like just good guitar riffing and whatever and it's like it, it, maybe because it references as far back as like you know the 60s or whatever that takes it out of, but hmm. as it builds up I, it's definitely it has a sound that's like a little bit of its era it, it reminds me of the kind of stuff Aerosmith was doing at the time yeah you know both, both Boston bands yeah oh yeah totally yeah maybe yeah, maybe they're rubbing shoulders oh, um yeah. Then there was a sound I was trying to put on to it for a while, and it took me three listens to be like, oh, okay, I know what this reminds me of. 
And I wish I'd written down which song it was specific specifically, but it's a uh, it's it's slower and a little more ballad, so it's probably one of the ones in the in the second section there. Okay. But I was like, oh wait, Tenacious D, this is Wonder Boy. <laughs> wow. I was like, oh, this is okay. You know, like when Tenacious D is like kind of uh, satirizing that like larger you... than life over the top. Yeah, you know, it's like, fun. it's metal, but it's yeah. bad. I think, I think you might be talking about rise and shine, but that's third side. Oh, maybe I wish we could play music so I can listen. Dream. Yeah. I keep that. that. Yeah. I but I was like, that. Oh, I'm hearing wonder boy. <laughs> I think it's rise and shine. What is the secret of your power? <laughs> I'm like, you say that because when we went to go see them at the house of blues i went with a buddy of mine who was uh he he got a bunch of picks made or from tenacious d the pick of destiny yeah he got a bunch of them like made up so they would hand them out to famous guitar players while he was going on he was going on that rock cruise what's that that boat with all the rock stars on it that happened ship rocked he was about, oh. <laughs> we were going to go see extreme in chicago and then from there he was leaving for miami to get on ship rocked so he had all these picks so he brought Nuno Betancourt, the pick of destiny. <laughs> and he held it up to Nuno and he grabbed it. And Nuno's like, thanks, man. <laughs> like, I'm just sitting there going, I held his hand. Nuno was shaking hands with everybody in the crowd after. And I held his hand and I didn't want to let go of it. But I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what, though? I'll bet you I've never heard him say it. I've always heard him talk about like, you know, like Dio and whatever, like people, sure, sure. You know, even Meatloaf or whatever has been referenced by. But uh, I'll bet you if you asked. Jack Black and maybe even Kyle. Um, like, uh, the, if Extreme was an influence on Tenacious D, I'll bet it really was. Extreme was an influence on a lot of bands, actually. A lot of guitar players. Um, mostly, this band is mostly known for Nuno because he was really big in the uh, guitar magazine circuits. And um, yeah, like, but that's, like that's a I'm... lot. A lot of people looked up to him as a phenomenon. Even even when their first album was coming out, my buddy Crazy Dave, Dave Williams, mm -hmm. he was telling me back in the day that all the bands were out to see Extreme when they first dropped their first major album, their first on a major label, because everybody in the rock community had heard about how this guy could play guitar. Mm -hmm. So they had some like big fucking get-togethers where everyone's like, "Yeah, we're going to see these guys." So they were already like. They've always been respected, but not hugely commercially successful. Well, I mean, except for in one instance where they were extremely 
commercially right. successful. But yeah, I it's that's a what I fucking mean, song. It's but yeah, strange to me that like yeah, I don't know. Like you're saying, like you know, I mean, he probably was in issues of Guitar World that I was picking up too, or probably starting around eh, maybe a year or two later. Yeah, I, probably, I don't know how like many 90, covers he's had. He's had a like, lot. Yeah, but I was probably starting to get into guitar around '94. Okay, a song. They had a song on Bill and Ted's soundtrack. Do you want to play? Oh yeah, yeah. What, uh, back then on Bogus yeah. or the first mm-hmm. one? The first one. Oh okay, yeah. Um, excellent journey. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Or no, one. excellent adventure. Sorry, and then Bogus. Yeah, journey is the it was on that soundtrack. Do See, that's the thing is when those were out, and I had watched them. Uh, like you know, I it was later. Like I mean, I caught references to bands like Iron Maiden where they're like, put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, excellent. And I was like, <laughs> but I also had. I had a cousin, an older cousin, who was like the metal guy. He and he loved thrash metal. I mean, you know, he actually was like the first person I ever heard call Metallica sellouts, and it was because of the Black Album, not because of Load. <laughs> yeah, you know? uh, yeah, I've heard so, about those yeah. Metallica fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. He was much older than me. I don't know how much, maybe even ten years older than me. So like, I remember going to his place and and. Uh, you know, he was into bands like, God, what was he into at the time? Probably even like Cannibal Corpse and stuff like that, you know? Like, he was into heavy shit. And mm. so, I don't Makes think... Makes sense. Yeah, like Motley Crue posters weren't on his wall, you know, that sort of thing. Like He, he was didn't like that cheesy shit. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> so that's like, my wheelhouse. Yeah, so so my exposure to to like metal was, was less of the glam and uh, hair metal side. And otherwise, it's like, I, I I feel like I just missed this era, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was absolutely, absolutely aware of bands like Motley Crue. Like, I, I remember uh, in junior high, I did a air band, uh, like yes. a battle of the bands to, uh, the song we used was Dr. Feelgood, right? You know? Nice. Right? What, did so, you I mean, play, what did you play in the air band? A broom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Did you get a, did you get a broom solo? I hope we so. didn't even know what we were doing, right? We didn't know. I didn't know what a bass guitar was. Man, we had an air band and we got my little sister to like flick the lights. Yeah. We're like, yeah, just flick the lights. Everyone's going to think it's a rock show. Yeah, we had this air band contest at my junior high. And I remember the, like everybody who went up and did it, the only people, the people who won were the people who just picked the song that everybody liked the most. Of course. Right. It wasn't really about how good your pantomime was. I know I I remember in that era literally thinking like seeing somebody play a bass guitar and turning to my friend and being like why does that guitar only have four strings? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> couldn't afford all six strings. Yeah, why? So this has been around the same time. So you know, yeah. I was learning. I had didn't know yet. I didn't know ah. what things were. I knew yeah, that you know, I a could... couple a couple years makes a big difference. It really does. Back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a that probably went about around it? the same time. Like I got a now. Copy. A couple of years is a blink of an eye, but when you're in that impressionable part mm-hmm. of your life, a couple of years was huge. Totally. Yeah, but like that's when I was getting like get a grip by Aerosmith. You mm-hmm. know, to me, like Joe Perry was a guitar god. Like, and he is absolutely. I mean, yeah, but he's fuck man. He doesn't hold the candle to fucking Nuno here. Holy well, shit! No. no. So I'm just I'm just saying like like yeah. Um, and then. Yeah. You know, by the 92, uh, I mean, I was aware of a lot of classic rock and stuff. And I, maybe a couple of years later, I was buying guitar magazines or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I missed, like, I was learning about guys like Joe Satriani, 
and yeah. uh, Yingwing Malmsteen. Those he, Joe and Yingwi and Nuno and uh, who's the guy from Black Label Society? Zach Wild. Zach Wild, yeah. Um, there's a few other guys. There yeah, Zach Wild a few years later because of uh, you know his association with like Ozzy and stuff. Sure. There was like seven virtuoso guitar players that went on tour together in the last four years. Um, like recently? Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot what the name of the tour was, but yeah, it was all of those guys. And they each would come out and do a few songs and then it all jammed together and the monsters of something, I think. I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, these are some big heavy hitters in the in the guitar world, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Very, very respected. Um, I don't think... No, I don't know if uh, Rage Against the Machine there. What's his name? Tom Morello. Morello. I don't know if Morello was on that or not. I don't know. Can't remember. But... Well, I just feel a little cheated. Like I, I should have known more about this guy. You know? I'm just happy that you've had a chance to appreciate him. I always want to bring an album to the table that isn't something to annoy you guys. Like I'm not going to pick <laughs> something to purposely like piss you off. I want. Oh, you wait. You wait at some point. <laughs> It's gonna That's happen. Gonna be me. That's gonna be me. And be like, <laughs> and now we have to listen to this album. <laughs> um, I just want to bring something that I think that you'd be actually surprised in, you know, or like, oh, I didn't expect that. Well, listening to it, I, you know, I went a little bit back and forth on being like what I expected from it. You know, mm -hmm. I knew that it was gonna be different than my exposure to Extreme had been because I did a band I never really checked out beyond what had ever been presented to yeah, me for sure you know people still get up to do uh more than words at karaoke all the time you know that's sort of yeah. thing, right like that's yeah. so to me i'm like okay that's what i think of extreme like that's just my experience with them so yeah. then listening through this especially those first five songs where i'm like oh man what's happening here heck fucking metal shit in here this is awesome <laughs> i'm listening through and then my spotify just you know i have it set up so that it'll just generate whatever um afterwards you know and yeah. it'll play earlier for some reason it always plays the first album yeah the end of every single one and then every song off the first album is just like heavy rock you know it gets a little cheesy here and there but like it always starts with like some good heavy riffing guitar and i'm like yeah oh shit man i uh i slept on this band i had no idea you know like yeah i feel like i don't i wonder what kept them from Maybe they just came along a little too late. That I think that I think it was timing. Yeah, yeah that last that first album. I mean, it came out in '89, mm -hmm. and that was really at the very end of, you know, like by the time this album comes out, I think that whole sound is really petering out. Right, like we were just talking about by '94, it's grunge, mm -hmm. you know, it's alternative rock. Radio or it's, goes or it's getting into like Matchbox Twenty kind of like four chords <laughs> yeah. and a little sing songy. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's Pearl Booty. Jam, it's it's um <laughs> it's Pearl Jam, it's uh it's um uh Soundgarden. Yeah. You know, and then it's all the sound that come after. And there was a popular side of that too, right? Like by 96 it was all band like bands all started to sound like Green Day and shit, but um, Yeah. But yeah, but but I'm 89 I think is the very tail end like if this band had hit and they they are all young too, so I don't Maybe it was, you know, they were born too late. <laughs> but if they had gotten a start like five, six years earlier, yeah. I think they would have been more of a established like in that scene. Like they, you know, when you talk about bands like um, 
like Motley Crue or Poison or Cinderella or, you know, whatever, I feel like Extreme would have been more in that conversation. this record they're they're definitely trying to be deep i don't know if they always get there mm-hmm. you know but they're, at least they're trying you know like it's kind of funny like their song what is it political politicalamity politicalamity oh, yeah. i'm like yeah. just because you use the word political <laughs> like yeah. what are you actually talking about but you know they talk about race and stuff there's that uh color me blind or whatever yeah yeah and, you know and it's like oh I what like if what blind. if we are what if we couldn't see color then we wouldn't care about you know color picture a world minus a rainbow <laughs> you know and it's it's a little saccharine or whatever but it's it's uh it's it's not bad it's definitely you're right like it's a step above like just girls 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 <laughs> their first record yeah. though when i did listen to it i found little girls there's a song called little girls on the there first is album. a little bit of that yeah there's also but you know it's not about like that you <laughs> <laughs> but still like you know there's like mother I don't want to go to school today. I think I'd rather go outside and play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like, and I mean, I don't know if there's, maybe there's maybe there's some meaning behind those lyrics that I don't know, but they, they just seem pretty. Yeah, much- you're right. That album was pretty much like just gen- generic rock, the first album. There was yeah. one song on it that was like uh, actually about the crucifixion of Christ, <laughs> which was a complete departure from the rest of the album. Okay, I have not listened to the whole record, <laughs> but that mother, uh, uh, I don't want to go to school today or whatever. Yeah. Fuck, man, that fucking, that song rocks. <laughs> it starts off with this, like, shredding guitar part, too. Yeah. Oh. And I've been, I've been, for whatever reason, I've been kind of, like, getting into this, like, uh, obscure kind of other ran, like, the bands that, you know, like, where did bands like Megadeth and Metallica and Anthrax come from, you know? And then, you know, there's bands that, nobody knows about like a band like diamond head and they wrote the song am i evil and basically invented metallica sound (laughs) am i evil yes i am and i'm listening to diamond head and i'm hearing that like that riffing and that like um virtuoso guitar style where it's got the you know it's got the classical uh 
um, kind of like um, scales, you know, that you would hear like somebody like maybe uh, Eddie Van Halen use at the time. The diddly, 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 diddly. It's basically Bach, yeah. you know, but like played really fast and played on a guitar or whatever. Yeah. You know, and then fast forward and, and I'm, I'm hearing... It is, it is. It's all classical music on a guitar. <laughs> I know, and I'm hearing Nuno do these things. Diddly, 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 diddly. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's metal. He gets it. <laughs> the flight of the wounded bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think if I knew, like he was, pro I'm guessing while the other guys in the band were listening to like, hey, these Red Hot Chili Peppers are pretty cool. Like maybe we can like you know play some, some bass lines felt, like yeah, that. Yeah, I felt some Red Hot Chili Pepper vibe. Oh, there was definitely sure. some. Yeah, let's talk about the bass lines for sure. Some, yeah, I don't. They they don't all stand out, but maybe that's where that funk element they talk. When about. they do, I, I, it is it is where they have the little bit of that funk yeah. element. Yeah. I just found like there was so much happening. There were so many things happening. Like they were doing so many different things at the same time, which yeah. is fine. But after a while, so. For me, I mean, I, I enjoyed the album and it started off super strong, but by the time it got to the second side and then into the third side or whatever, it kind of really just blended together for me. Where were I was kind of like, Were you almost exhausted? I'm like, okay, and now you're in an orchestra and now you're under the water and now you're <laughs> out of space. And, and I was like, okay, I get it. Like it was good, but after a while, you know, it kind of just like all started. I was like, what song is this? This is this. It, I thought it was like a few songs back. It just kept going and going. And I was like, this is forever. I oh, think yeah. This is my reality now. I just live in an extreme album. <laughs> All right. You're stuck in this bubble of <laughs> what's happening. And then by the end of it, and they're in the end of it, they're referencing lyrics from earlier in the album. And you're like, shit, I should have made notes. Them. I didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz at the end, you know? Yeah. Like, Oh yeah, it gets really intense right on the last song, right at the end of it, repeating old lyrics from other songs <laughs> in the album, and then all of a sudden it goes to like this little like jewelry box, like music box sound to close mm -hmm. the album, right? Well, obviously they're trying to make like we said earlier their concept record, their the wall, mm -hmm. you know, their Sergeant Pepper's, that sort of thing, and so they had this grand vision. I think one of the things that's kind of missing is that transitional nature, you know, that those kind of albums have, especially The Wall, where you can huh. feel there's a narrative, mm. you know, where they were like, oh, we're going to have three different um, sections of this album that all kind of represent different things or whatever. Whereas, like, The Wall really succeeds is that it's a story. And right. it tells that story. And he, whether or not you're aware of the story when you're listening to it, yeah, when they do reference an early like you know there's the brick another brick in the wall part one two three you know like throughout the record they 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 reference other tracks and there are even there are definitely standalone singles on that album but there's hardly a song that goes by that doesn't somehow transition into the next song totally yeah you know where you're you're, you're you know like with this one it's like okay song you know about this and then it ends and then song about a similar theme and then it ends and then a song about a similar so it's more of a traditional album than these other like um concept records are and then i found the same thing i just had listening fatigue about yeah. how the end of the second part you know even going into the first part where it starts to drag like i said uh the one song that just fucking seven sundays or whatever yeah where it just takes the momentum of the first part of the record and it just slams to a halt. And I'm like, that could work about like changing momentum or whatever if I was kind of brought into it a little bit, you know, eased into it. Yeah. And now I'm going from like, oh, this 
awesome guitar rock album with these just awesome like you know fucking metal riffs and leads and i'm like yeah you know it's a little poppy but that's okay at least i can understand the lyrics right <laughs> like uh, i looked at it as like a cleansing of the palate every few songs i guess i know Maybe. but what i need is i need it to get back to that <laughs> first part of the record again and it never does yeah and then it goes into the orchestral stuff or whatever which i can appreciate for mm -hmm. sure but i almost feel like the orchestral stuff that should have been like its own ep or something right like just yeah. release that as like one you know three track record these big like whatever that's, yeah but that's and risky then, too because you don't know if people are gonna go what the fuck is that and not yeah, even look yeah. at it where's the appeal in that for, for commercial? no no totally i understand yeah. and and but like I don't know. They made some decisions. They made so, some decisions. They did, yeah. as, a, as something that kept popping up in my head, and it's a, it's kind of funny. It, I'll, I'm, I, like I said, I enjoyed this album, but I was like, man, I wonder if they left. You know how usually they'll, you'll write like 15 songs and you'll record 12. I was like, I wonder if anything hit the cutting room floor, if they were just like, no, everything's in. This is all great. We can't cut any of this. You know what I mean? All killer, no filler. Or... That's right. They're well, like, other than <laughs> when they were forced to for the CD aside from the version, one song, yeah, yeah, which I, song, I have not I, heard. So. I that's a very it. that's a very good question. When you're writing a concept album, what hits the floor? Yeah, you're like, yeah. Nah, this is B side material, but only one song, and that's just literally because it wouldn't fit on CDs. Yeah, mm -hmm. actually, that's what I would say. I would say that if you could tighten this one up a little bit better, I think overall. I would enjoy my listening experience a little bit more. Get rid of Seven Sundays and put in the uh, Don't Leave Me Alone. <laughs> Just swap it out. Yeah. Pick the wrong song to cut. Yeah. Possibly. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, I, I, uh, I didn't get so familiar with it that I like know the tracks off by heart or anything. But it, a lot of that middle section, yeah. I could let go. A lot of it. <laughs> yeah, but, okay. So the, all that being said, Naomi, what was your favorite favorite track? Favorite one on the album? I can't pick one. I you have to just say you had to pick one and all the rest are burned in a fire. No. Uh, <laughs> Warheads is strong. Mm -hmm. Warheads mm -hmm. is strong. I would probably pick stop the world though. I okay. would pick stop the world. Yeah. I think it's like, I think it's the guitar solo. I like off that song the most. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, I'm, I'm still, like I said, I'm still going Warheads all day long. Yeah. That's Opening. A, it's yeah. a great intro to the to the record. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I. It would definitely be in the first. First, yeah. First three yeah. to five songs, somewhere in there. That's where I'm really. Um, I could do without the rap. <laughs> it doesn't. I just don't think it holds up. I think maybe '92. And maybe that's just, just another thing where these guys are a little bit of a holdover from the 80s a bit, mm-hmm. is that it's just got that old school sound to it where it's still a little bit like a rip, rap, ribbity, rip, 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 rap, you know? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, you know, NWA and Dr. Like Dr. Dre put out The Chronic this year, <laughs> right? Like we've moved on, like the rap, rap is a little more sophisticated mm-hmm. by this point. So sure. maybe drop that rap, you know, bring in like, you know, I don't know, bring in Fetty Wap or something to be like... <laughs> <laughs> Right? You know? yeah. He doesn't even get a featuring credit on here. It doesn't even say featuring <laughs> this dude. Yeah, who is that dude? Just some who dude. It's got to be in the credits. But I looked it up at one point. Is it important? I, and I did not recognize the name at all. But No, I think it was just some guy who was probably recording his studio and the or songs in the other studio. And they're like, hey, come in here. Yeah, it's probably also get him in here. Do this yeah, prob- <gasps> probably also signed by the label too. But I remember it like comes out. It's after- so old and brittle. A piece just <laughs> fell well, off. You do, have, you do have your copy. This is my original copy. Nice. Yeah. nice. Um, I just broke it. <laughs> no. Okay. Now, but let me ask you this. Where were you at the time and even now? So this maybe it's a two-part question. Yeah. Most likely to listen to it. Like when were you listening to it? Like what part of my day? Yeah. Like when would like, what were you like? Was this like like little oh, 13-year-old Naomi, you know, burgeoning and like comes home and like just in the CD player headphones on. And that's like what you're doing for the rest of the day. Like yeah, it. I wasn't a headphone music listener. I had a, I just plug it, put it in the in the CD disc thing in my room. I had my own little stereo and turned it up until my mom told me to turn it down and <laughs> banging on the, <laughs> turn yeah. it down or turn like have down the extreme. Over, <laughs> have my friends over, like my two girlfriends, uh, like pretty much grew up with, and they all went to that concert with me, and <laughs> they, they got it. They got it. They so they were, they suddenly understood your love for extreme. So they just knew oh, yeah. that they're hanging out with you. We're probably listening to extreme. Yeah, <laughs> we're probably yeah. listening to three sides. To every Us story. girls always kind of like the same shit, but like it was fine. They were obsessed with Jean Claude Van Damme, and I wasn't. But I was obsessed with John Bon Jovi, <laughs> and they weren't. And it was what fun. an era! What an era! <laughs> what a time! So a time. does that mean that you you found extreme before you found Bon Jovi? No, it was around the same time. It was a kind of all of like a. Yeah, Bon Jovi was first. Yeah. Okay, so was Bon Jovi pop, poppy enough that you were kind of getting away with like listening to it? How did that happen? Oh, that was the Keep the Faith thing. When Keep the Faith came out, that's when I found Bon Jovi. So I was late to the party. Oh, but my parents were like, oh, he's singing about faith. Okay. All no. right, he's okay. Yeah, I tried to swing that one over on him. <laughs> see the, they didn't see the original cover of Slippery One Wet, where it's just a wet t-shirt on a big chesty girl? No. <laughs> but also, uh, yeah, Bon Jovi was big when I was in grade four, grade five, but I wasn't into them yet. I was, I just thought hard rock was bad then. And then I found out it wasn't. <laughs> um, well, I can't wait to get into our next discussion because that's going to that's gonna definitely come up but uh, I guess the yeah. we've talked a lot. I don't know what else did you guys want to add. I have one last question. Sure. If there's anything else though that we haven't covered. No, I think I'm good. Um, okay. Well, then I guess the question is, and I think I know how you're going to answer it, Naomi. Does it hold up? 
<laughs> now, like, is it still making it into your daily, you know, playlist? Yeah. Or is I, it a go-to? I, am I going to turn this album on and listen to it doing whatever? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would listen to pretty much the majority of their catalog anytime. Mm-hmm. Aside, aside from uh, maybe re-spinning it to, to refresher for this uh, podcast, when's the last time you listened to it? Oh, yeah, right. A few months ago. Yeah, just like you're like, hey, I want to listen to this again. Yeah, there's that. But there was also, I. Uh, this isn't the first podcast that I brought this album up oh, on. Oh, well, that's kind of cheating. But It I'll hasn't it. been, and it wasn't mine. It was uh, a friend of mine <laughs> who, oh, who does a... He does a podcast where it's called the soundtrack to a life. Yeah. I was going to say plug that. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you bring on a guest and the guest and you agree that you're going to listen to each other's album and tell the other person what you think of the album. So he, he, I had to listen to a charlatans album, which is a band I wasn't familiar with very much at all. I knew one single from the, that back in the day, but it's an album that meant a lot to him and tell him what I thought of it. Guess what the singles were on the album and et cetera. (laughs) <laughs> that's a fun game to play when that's you don't cool. know the album no cheating no no wikipediaing that's right yeah, yeah. so great. and then and then we end up on the same kind of thing is this something you would listen to again and i was like oh, maybe but probably not <laughs> um well okay uh well charlie i don't know you can basically answer the same question i mean i'd never really heard it before so as far as does it hold up i mean it's a a sum of a lot of 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 all of its influences I feel and those influences are still pretty legitimate today right like mm-hmm. like all of the like yellow the Beatles the Hendrix even you know the chili peppers taste depending you know whatever um but still all work today and so I think this one I think it still works yeah um for me it doesn't it doesn't you know there's definitely mm-hmm. things about it that I feel it's that have aged and would I listen to it again? Yes. Um, but I don't think I'm going, it's not going to be something that I'm like, oh, like you guys, have you heard this? <laughs> it's going to be, like, it's gonna be like, the first side. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll Actually, if there's anything that it's done for me, it's it's made me go like, oh, maybe I should check out some more of their catalog, more especially extreme. their back catalog. Because I find every time Spotify is, you know, like, hey, you hit the end of this record. Here's another extreme song you might like. It's always played something from their first album. And it's always, that's always perked me up where I'm like, I'm kind of like, at by the end of this album, I'm kind of like, okay, I got through it. I think I need a nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just, really, I really put you guys on the fucking exercise, on the hamster wheel for this it, one. It's I, just long. There's no yeah. way around it. It's like yeah. going to see a long movie and you ask. But I'm for, actually saying thanks for listening to it because I don't expect you to. Like, Oh, really? no, no. I'm happy to. I want to. Like I, I said, going into this whole thing, I'm excited for people to say an album that I don't know because yeah. then I get to listen to an album. And just like Quinn said, you know, Quinn, like Quinn was saying, he's like, I can't believe I'd never heard of these guys before. I kind of look at it a little bit different, differently where it's like, oh, it's awesome if I find something that I've never heard before because it's always been there. But now there's this much more music for me to go and mm-hmm. find out and be yeah. like, holy shit, Warheads, like I said, Warheads is for sure making a playlist that I will be, you know, yeah. I do yeah, have yeah, that's what I mean. So it's it's going to be popping up. So yeah. It turned me on to a guitar player that I hadn't completely slept yeah. on. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. 
That's yeah, yeah. Cool. So there's this definitely worked benefit out great. Came from it. Yeah. <laughs> no, this benefit came from it for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. you know, like I I said, like, you know, maybe cut like a third of those tracks and <laughs> <laughs> tighten that album down to about forty five minutes, guys. You know, the, all the, the songs beauty. are like yeah. six you minutes make your long. Own playlist. Yeah, drop five songs. Drop five songs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you have you'd have a solid record. Killer ten. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's uh, all we can talk about. Uh, three sides to every story. So thanks a lot. It's a uh, you know it's, it's, it's so cross, funny because I think both Naomi and myself cat. both think poorly of our own editing skills. I think his edit. I, I mean, I've heard. Oh boy, this is going to be a mess. And, and Naomi's going to run circles around me with her editing, and then you were like, "I don't know about that for sure." <laughs> for for those of you who don't know, Charlie also edits. It's a conspiracy, and those clips are fucking stellar, especially the crack. What are we drinking? Mm, that's more of an Andrew. I mean, I, I do the I like sound it. clips. But oh, so so. Oh shit! So yeah. I'm sorry. I just gave you credit. Oh, I thought you were Andrew's more talented work. than you were. That's okay. That's okay. I'll take it. I mean, I'll take the undeserved credit. We're <laughs> like, hey, can you do this thing? And you're like, yeah, I could do that thing. <laughs> I mean, you know. That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, well, okay. To follow along and see how this turns out, you yeah. got to follow us at all the social media, uh, especially Twitter and Instagram at L2L Pod. Um, yeah and then facebook we're on there as well we post all the stuff you know don't worry like we won't post anything about QAnon or you know <laughs> the pandemic or anything like that we're just going to post about our stuff so, yeah so scroll past all your racist aunts and uncles and come right to us <laughs> um where else are we i think i mentioned earlier you gotta hit the uh patreon that's patreon.com slash learning to listen where you can hear us go straight from talking about you know things that matter like how we're handling covid right to how much shit can you fit in the large colon <laughs> <laughs> and then of course so that's patreon.com slash learning to listen uh and if you want to reach out and talk to us about you know these records these albums these artists or whatever that's learning to listen podcast at gmail.com come and i think that's everything so uh yeah uh what else you guys got going on charlie oh you need to i would love it if you would go to oldmandesign.com and check out the t-shirt designs i have up there and heck even buy yourself one well you know buy it for your best friend buy it for someone you hate if you if you don't like them buy them for an enemy you know and then they'll have to wear a stupid shirt that they hate and then everybody wins right so go to oldmandesign.com and get you some new shirts yeah, and then also go to uh, It's a Conspiracy and see if Andrew is doing a decent job editing or not. And then you can let Charlie know that you know, Andrew is doing a pretty good job editing. So. Doing a good job, I know. Okay, Naomi, what do you got going on? It's really quite the threesome of podcasts, isn't it? Right. Uh, yeah, little family, little family. Just start a network. Yeah, we That way Charlie's been starting every Slack conversation with, hey, pod fam. Hey, pod fam. So I don't yeah. up and say the wrong name and then embarrass <laughs> That's right. That's like when like, people in Hollywood say, like, nice to see you instead of, like, you know, like, hey, how are you doing? Like, because they're like, I don't know where I know this person from. Nice to see you. Yeah. It's, it's when you forget names, basically. Okay, nice to see you, Naomi. All right. Well, anyway, um, so here's where I say a clever thing about rap, rap, <laughs> wrapping it up. And what I love, what I wish I could have told Extreme when they were making three sides to every album is I could have come in about, you know, about two thirds away through that project and said, Hey guys, wrap, wrap, wrap it up. I was like, you got that one planned, didn't you? 
It was sitting right there, man. It was sitting. It, right it was easy. It was good. Yeah, easy to take. I was take considering on. it. I yeah. was considering it. <laughs> All right. That was Sweet. awesome. Follow us on Facebook at Dope Nostalgia, Instagram Dope underscore Nostalgia, or on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work. Well, it's time to leave because I got to poo. <laughs> Classic. One box of colon blow. We'll just blow <laughs> your poops right out. Colon blow.